1209, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ Insight 2018 this evening. It's going to be quite a show. Uh, still a chance to pick up tickets, I believe. They're still for sale, w, uh, WTMJ.com, um, and make arrangements. We are going to have several hundred people there this evening, and just an all-star cast. You will be able to hear part of the show uh, broadcast tomorrow. We have a, an abbreviated program. It's just noon to 2 because of Brewer's opening day. And then we're going to play the balance of the interviews as part of the regular program on Friday. So Insight 2018, certainly looking forward to that. Let us get started. We have a lot of ground to cover today, as we always do. We start off the program with three big things. Story number one, heads are exploding across the country because the Trump administration announced yesterday that the 2020 census. Now, every 10 years, you have to, pursuant to the Constitution, take a, you have to have a census to determine where people live. Because what happens is people move, and census information is used for a number of different things. It's used to determine um, whether or not how much funding you should get for roads or for various things. It is used in part to draw uh, congressional districts and state legislative districts because what happens is um, people move and the you know the makeup some states gain population some states lose population over a period of ten years and what you need to do is you know the number of seats for example that you get in Congress is based on the number of people you have in the district the way um, state legislative districts are drawn is based on you know, how many people live in the state and where they live. If people are moving from the Milwaukee County, for example, to Waukesha, that might mean that you have more representatives out of Waukesha, or people are leaving Waukesha and flooding into the city of Milwaukee for whatever reason. Okay, it might mean that um, you know Milwaukee would be entitled to more seats. So the census is a very, very big deal. In any event, uh, yesterday the Trump administration said that they are going to add the citizenship question. Um, They say that uh, we believe that it's necessary to ask whether people are citizens or not in order to provide complete and accurate census block level data. Now, interestingly enough, the, the way the law works is even if you are here illegally, That doesn't affect necessarily the way the federal congressional districts are are drawn because you can and you will oftentimes incorporate the number of people in a particular district, whether they're here legally or illegally. Illegal status, though, could affect your entitlement to federal funding for other things And it is an open question as to whether state legislators have to include in deciding the size of a particular district, have to decide whether or not you include illegal people who are here illegally or not. So there's a number of open questions. But uh, the bottom line is the Trump administration has decided it is a valid question to ask. Are you here legally or not? Now, predictably, there are a number of states that have just their, their heads are exploding about this, led by, you know, California, where they're saying, okay, this, this is going to be terrible. It is trying to hijack the 2020 census for political purposes. 
Um, what is going to happen is if we ask this question, it is going to discourage some people who are here against the law from participating in the census. It's going to allow the Republicans to, the phrase is being used, again, hijack the redistricting process by not including illegal aliens in it for state election purposes. Meanwhile, the Trump administration says, hey, we, we think it's a fair question to ask, are you here legally or illegally? Because that could be a relevant factor in deciding how much federal aid that we are going to give. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. They ask all sorts of questions on the census. They ask questions about your marital status. They ask questions about your race. They ask a number of questions. I personally do not think it is unreasonable to ask whether or not somebody is in this country illegally. They are not going to use that data to prosecute someone. So it's not a criminal matter. You're not asking somebody to you know, waive any sort of rights that they might have. But I think it is relevant for a number of purposes. And if it means... California loses some federal money because they've turned a blind eye to people coming into that state illegally? My response would be, too bad. Is it irresponsible? Should the government simply pretend that everybody who's in this country is there is here legally? Or is it reasonable to ask whether or not somebody is a legal resident? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I personally have no problems with asking whether somebody is here legally or not. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1215. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, the Constitution requires that every resident of the U.S. be counted every 10 years whether or not they are citizens, right? You have to be counted. But, 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 citizenship is a factor or could be a factor in determining federal grants and subsidies and where they go. In addition, citizenship uh, could be a factor in deciding how to draw certain legislative districts. So the Trump administration says, hey, we want the most accurate picture possible. We are going to ask this question. Now, it's always possible people will lie on the census. I, I get it. But they're going to ask the question. And you have places like California that have largely turned a blind eye to illegal immigration, saying, well, no, 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 don't do this, because some people might just decide not to answer the um, the census then, and that's going to cost us federal money. 414-799-1620. Um, Shanaz in Brookfield, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Uh, looking, looking forward for the show, which will be in the evening. Oh, thank you. You're coming tonight. Good. We'll look forward to seeing you. Yep. Definitely, yeah. So my, uh, what I think, it is a very good idea that the census people should know who is legal and who is not legal because in this way, we know where our money is going. Is it going to the fair people? Is it going to the illegal people? Because there are some people who are still, who are still, I repeat, who are still coming in the state while they are seven and eight months pregnant and they're getting the child from here, getting the passport, and going back to the country. Mm-hmm. No, I, you know? I, yeah, no I, I think, you know, I think it, you are exactly right. I think that, you know, it is reasonable for Congress to make decisions like you're talking about with money based on, all right, if there's this huge population of people who are here illegally, do we still have to commit money to help support all those folks, 
or or maybe we should just concentrate on spending money to help the people who are here legally. This is a way, one of many ways, perhaps, to try to figure out how bad the problem is. Definitely, definitely. And, and you know, like I have two, three jobs. And I am paying so much taxes, so if uh, I should know where the money is going. If, if my money is going to the illegal people, that's not fair. Um, yes, it, it's not. Thanks for the call. We'll look forward to seeing you this evening. I have a text here. I understand the survey actually asks if you are a U.S. citizen, and California's fear is that people here illegally won't participate out of fear, thereby depriving districts of representation and federal allocations. Yeah, that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid that people might not answer the question or they might not want to admit that they're in this country illegally. So what's the answer? Just just pretend it's not a factor? Well, it is a factor, and it, citizenship can, in fact, be a factor. Now, I understand you're never going to be able to solve the problem of what happens if people are just going to lie. And you're, you're never... You're never going to get past that. I mean, people can lie about a number of other questions on the census as well, and and you're never going to be able to get to the bottom of that. But this idea, and and this is the the whole example of political correctness run uh, amok, this idea that somehow it is offensive or improper to ask whether or not somebody is in the country illegally. I mean, now, we're not asking people to make admissions that are going to be used against them in a criminal prosecution. But for the perspective of obtaining data, whether you are legal legally in this country or, or not is a relevant factor. And again, you can't control whether people lie or people decide not to participate or whatever, but the reality is that is a relevant factor, at least in my mind. So this idea that, well, we can't ask this question Give me a break. When we come back, big story number two, the governor versus the liberal court system in Dane County and a desire to save taxpayers tens of thousands of dollars. We'll discuss. Stick around. 1222, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1224, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Who are the Brewers' most indispensable players as we head into a promising 2018 season? Greg Matzik thinks the answer might surprise you. Join the conversation this evening, 707 on Sports Central. Greg is live from Petco Park in San Diego. Yep. Uh, see, most of us like dream about doing like one of these spring training and road trips. Well, Greg gets to do it, and he gets paid to do this. I mean, we send him down to Houston, and now he's in San Diego. Um, again, opening day. Um, normally, the Brewers open at home, but this year they're going to be opening on the road in San Diego. And I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, it is interesting to me that the Lords of Baseball, um, you know, opening day Thursday, and there's, there's going to be a lot of bad or at least cold weather across oh, the country. So typically the Brewers will open at home because we have Miller Park and we have the Dome. For some reason, they've decided to have the Milwaukee Brewers open on the road in San Diego. So you've got a warm weather team playing against a team that has a dome. Hmm, go figure. But in any event, uh, the game is Thursday. Uh, our coverage starts at 2 o'clock, and it's going to be good to get baseball season back. All right, big story number two. This makes my head want to explode because it's this whole example of how politics – takes over and trumps common sense, right? There is a state senator, was a state senator and a state representative who resigned their seats late last year to take jobs in the Walker administration. The state legislature is now done, it, and it, it takes a couple months. If you're, even if you're, you're doing it as fast as you can, it takes a couple months 
to hold special elections in order to replace these people. Because what happens is, first of all, you have to have a nominating process. So you have to give people time to circulate nominating petitions. Then if you have multiple candidates who are running in a particular party, you have to have a primary election. Then you have to have the general election. So it, it it's a several-month process. Now, the legislature is not going to be in session for the rest of the year. You know, we've talked about this before. They might come back for a, for one particular issue or something for a special session. But in general, the legislature knocks off in, in March. So you have these people who resign late in the year last year. And the governor makes the decision that we're not going to fill these seats until the next November. It's not like people don't have representation, because there's still staffers that work, so if you've got a constituent issue, you can still call, but there's not going to be somebody there. It also, part of the reason for that is that the process for being elected in November starts in April. I mean, when people can start taking out nominating papers to get on the ballot for the primary elections and then the general election as well. So it makes no sense really to have two elections going on for the same seat. That is, okay, somebody running to fill out the last couple months of somebody's term when the legislature isn't in session. And at the same time, somebody, maybe different people, maybe the same people, running, taking out nominating papers to know win the election and run for the regular november seat it just it makes no sense the law i think is vague on this and to i candidly if i were drafting the law i think it should be written to say okay after a certain date after a date certain we don't have special elections boom you know that that's what to me would be the most sense the law the law is vague this has become an issue for the left because frankly the left okay Eric Holder, who is the, in my opinion, the worst unindicted attorney general in the history of the United States. Okay, Eric Holder and big-time Democrats, they think that this is going to be a Democratic year. They've won some special elections. And so even though the state legislature is not going to be in session, and even if they pick up a seat in a special election, it's not going to change the balance of power. Nevertheless, they want to try to build momentum. And they don't care if it costs Wisconsin taxpayers tens of thousands of dollars. So they filed this lawsuit saying, well, we think that the governor needs to file this to start the special election process. A liberal Dane County judge, and Dane County judges don't like to be described as liberals, but a liberal Dane County judge has agreed with them. So the legislature is in the process of immediately changing the law. Okay, well, we'll make this clear. I'm not sure the judge's interpretation is correct, but rather than fight that out, let's just change the law. We'll be set with it. Well, what's happened with all this is as a result of this situation, you now have this mess where the judge has said, order a special election by Thursday. Uh, the governor said, hey, we're going to change the law next week. Why don't you just hold this off so we don't have more of a mess? Another liberal judge in Dane County said, nope, we're not going to change that. You've got to go ahead and order the election, and then we'll see what the legislature does. It's just a mess. But for anybody who thinks this is about representation, my advice is be sure to tuck your um, shoulder so you don't hurt yourself when you fall off the turnip truck. This isn't about representing that Senate district or the Assembly district. It's merely an effort to try to score political points. And um, hopefully it will be shot down because 
I don't know if the Democrats could win these special elections or not, but it would be silly to spend tens of thousands of dollars to pursue it. 1235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Tonight, Insight 2018, the Country Springs Hotel. Last chance. I think we have some tickets still available. You can go to WTMJ.com and uh, 25 bucks. Uh, doors open at 530. Taping starts at 630. Um, we're going to have Governor Walker, uh, Leah Vukmir. Matter of fact, did an interview with Leah Vukmir. They're going to replay at uh, Insight. I did that this morning. Kevin Nicholson, the other candidate for the GOP Senate nomination. He's going to be there. Attorney General Brad Schimmel, Michael Skrenik, who is the conservative running for the state Supreme Court. He'll be there. Glenn Grothman, from, uh, the congressional representative from our area, We'll be talking to him, Kathleen O'Leary from the State Fair. Um, it's going to be just a lot of fun. We will rebroadcast some of Insight tomorrow before the Brewers game and then the balance of it during the course of my program on Friday. But come on out. See the live radio show. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot more fun than being at the Wendy's restaurant on 27th and Capitol in Milwaukee last Monday. Gru is producing the show. Do you see the story? It, it's one of these that you just shake your head. And 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 just it's almost one that it's I, I want to comment on it, but I, I'm not sure what the larger point is other than it's just a heck of a world. OK, here's the deal. We're we're on Capitol and Humboldt. So this there's a Wendy's across the street from us. It is not that's not that Wendy's. So it's 27th and Capitol. So it's a little bit further down. A massive fight breaks out here. here here's what happens. It's 615 on Monday night. So you got all these people in the Wendy's, they're ordering food. Um, there's a guy who happens to capture this on video. He's in line to get a couple of cheeseburgers. And what happens is, apparently a fight breaks out, not between customers, but a fight breaks out between an employee and the manager. So, so okay, the manager and an employee get into a physical altercation. At that point in time, a number of the other, now right now we're not talking customers, a number of the other employees decide that they're going to participate in the rumble. My producer, Gru, is looking at me. I swear I do not make this stuff up. Okay, so then apparently what happens is, so you got the manager duking it out with one of the employees. Then what happens is you have the employees who apparently take sides, like the people that are cooking, start getting into a fight with the people who are, like, waiting on people. So the counter staff starts fighting with the the <laughs> the kitchen staff. So by now, all hell is breaking loose. Okay, well, then it, it, it gets weirder. Yes, it gets weirder. So you have this guy. This guy sitting there. He just wants his cheeseburgers, you know. So you got people, and it's, I mean, you look at this video. They're punching each other. So then what happens is apparently um, somebody is in line. All right, and somebody is in line, and their their sister, I think, is one of the people that's working that's involved in the fight. So, like the relative of employees in line. So, what what do they do? Well, they do what I guess the patrons at Twenty Seventh and Capital and Wendy's do. She gets on the phone, says, "There's a rumble at Wendy's. Come on down and participate." So you have people coming in. Um, she calls others to come to Wendy's and join the fight. 
And so you got people flooding in because the word is that there's a that there's a rumble going on. Uh, the guy who's there said, "Well, I did kind of get caught in the middle of the fight, but I just kind of moved to the corner, you know, um, you know, whatever." So they're standing there just watching this whole thing. So you got you got you've got employees that are fighting each other. You've got the manager that's in the middle of the fight. You've got people in the Wendy's calling people to come and participate in the fight, and. All this you're watching. Uh, police are investigating the case to determine what prompted the fight. Well, uh, who cares what prompted the fight? So, okay. So I was watching the news accounts of this. So they have one guy says, you know, this is just, I, I've, he said, here's what we need. They, they need more security at these fast food restaurants. I'm thinking you need more security at the fast food restaurants. Okay, the reason, you, you have security to stop Bad guys from coming into the restaurant and robbing it or, or whatever. I don't know. I don't know that you've ever, that I've ever seen. Okay. We have to hire a security guard because we've got the employees who are so out of control that they might get into the fight. So we've got the security guard here to stop the people working at the counter from fighting with the people that are working at the kitchen. Um, Apparently, yesterday, the Wendy's was open for business and stuff, and they had cleaned up. But at the same time, the larger point to all this is, really, we've now come to a point, I guess, where you can't even walk into a fast food restaurant without running the risk of not being involved in an armed robbery or something like that, being involved in a brawl with the people that work behind the counter. You know what we need? Maybe I'm waiting for this person to make that argument that if, if we paid these fast food workers more money, if we gave them $15 an hour, maybe then they wouldn't try to punch out their managers or get into a fight with the counter staff. Or maybe not. It's 1240. This is Jeff Wagner. When we come back, coyotes, or if you prefer, coyotes, um, at a local park, what's it going to take before we deal with this? 1240, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Twelve forty-four. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's the season of bunnies, colored eggs, and peeps. But what's the true meaning of Easter? Milwaukee Archbishop Jerome Listecki shares his Holy Week message with Gene Miller. Tune in eight twenty-one tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. Rue, do you like peeps? No, I mean neither. I, I see. I'm not a marshmallow guy, and I understand that people just love that. But I, I'm, I'm just marshmallow eggs. Do nothing for me. Now, don't get me started on some of the other kinds of candy and all, but um, peeps, now I can kind of take them or leave them, but I understand that people absolutely love them. Speaking of bunnies, well, it's not bunnies, but it is a problem that people, I, I think some people in authority just want to pretend it's going to go away. And I understand I occasionally, if you're a regular listener, I get on my soapbox about this from time to time, but it is the problem with coyotes or coyotes, if you prefer in urban areas, um, this I, I have I have some very dear friends who live along the lake where there's the, the bluffs, and they have had a huge problem with the coyote or coyote population um, coming up like into their yard. Um, a couple of their cats, and you know, they let their cats out. A couple of their cats have been killed. I mean, the coyotes come and they they grabbed them and they've taken them off. And I will tell you, they are afraid, and people in the area where my friends live are afraid uh, of leaving even small children out in their backyards unattended. 
because they don't know what could, in fact, happen. They're afraid to leave small dogs out unattended, and they're afraid to leave small children out unattended because you've got these coyotes that, again, live along the bluffs in this particular situation and will come up and will attack people. We have had, over the last couple of years, a number of coyote sightings and reports of these things attacking people as they are walking their dogs. And, you know, whenever we hear this, the, the response by the DNR is, well, you know, we, we don't have any known situations now where they've actually attacked people. And, well, if you're walking your dog, you should just be prepared and be ready to deal with it. What? To which I'd say, what? You know, what? You know, you're, you're telling people that have pets and that they shouldn't be allowed to leave their pets outside unattended because we're going to allow these predators to run loose. Or hey, if you're walking your dog, you know, be prepared because you may be attacked or your dog may be attacked. Well, the latest example of this is on Milwaukee's east side, Lake Park. Now, of course, the, the problem last year, I guess, was Lake Park, at least in the minds of some county supervisors, Lake Park was being overrun by people who were playing Pokemon Go. All right, well, I thought that was an unfounded concern. This is different. Um, story on today's TMJ4, people with pets on Milwaukee's east side are now on high alert after several coyote, coyote sightings at Lake Park. Um, and here's the problem. The coyotes don't seem to be scared off easily. In one case, a woman walking her dog said the coyote followed her from Lake Park, crossed the street, and even followed up the walkway of a house. Um, part of the post, she said, that the coyote followed her for several minutes, getting closer and closer. I shouted at him, but to no avail. She says, this is the second time I have been confronted by a coyote in um, Lake Park. Now, the, the DNR, or the people at the park system, say, well, coyotes are generally uh, nocturnal, but at times they do come out during the day. And, yes, we acknowledge that they're not easily scared off because, well, they're used to being around people. So the solution you get from the parks people and the DNR is, well, there's really nothing that we can do. Sometimes they're just curious. They're not necessarily trying to be aggressive, but sometimes they're they're just curious. So um, if they're out there and they're curious, well, okay, don't necessarily worry about it until they attack. They say if you're walking your dog and you spot a coyote and yelling at it isn't worth it, they suggest throwing a stick at the thing or using an air horn whistle or water gun to scare them away. All right. So this is what our solution is in Milwaukee County. You've got coyotes out there, coyotes out there that are potentially going to attack pets and maybe small children. And the answer is carry an air gun with you that maybe you're going to scare it away. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Excuse me, but I think this is one of the dumbest things that I have ever heard. Not necessarily dumb that if you use the air horn, it might scare these things away. But but why are we allowing predators to menace people in urban areas? If you've got a bunch of coyotes that are living in Lake Park and are following people around up to their houses and are stalking the pets, well, get rid of them. Start trapping them and moving them. And I understand that maybe they might come back, and so you maybe have to do it again. But 
to tell people, well, carry a water gun, a water pistol, or an air gun to maybe scare them off if yelling at them and throwing things at them doesn't work. I mean, really? I'm just trying to picture people walking around the trendy east side. This would make you want to have the Pokemon people come back. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. I just think this is a ridiculous thing to say. Not that it doesn't necessarily work, but, I mean, are we going to have to wait? How many people have to have their pets attacked before we're going to do something about this? Is it going to take that small child that gets attacked in somebody's backyard before we finally say, oh, we've got an issue, let's deal with it? 1250, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back with your calls in just a moment. 1253, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I I swear, I'm not making this up. They, They are now advising that if you're walking your dog and you spot a coyote that refuses to be scared off and starts approaching you, well, you could throw a stick at it or use use an air horn to try to scare it away. (laughs) Okay, all right, I I can just see that happening. The coyote decides it's hungry, it's going to go attack your little dog. Here, you start sounding that air horn. Now, I don't think that's a very good answer to this. Jan in Fond du Lac. Jan, you're on WTMJ. Hi, um, two two points. Um, an air horn, if you blow it and you have a small dog or you have a small child, it's just going to scare the heck out of either one of them. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think the DNR is just short-handed. They're shorter rangers, and they just don't have the manpower or the time, and they're just leaving it up to citizens to take care of this situation. And I think the best situation is just shoot it and get rid of the problem. Well, right, and, and see, and I, I think this is a community-by-community matter. I mean, I think, for example, the city of Milwaukee, if, if you know that you now have coyotes that are running through the east side, following people, potentially getting ready to attack pets, the only solution is you hire trappers, you bring them in, and you have them do whatever they do to get the coyotes to the extent you can out of that area. And I, I know you can clean them out, and then maybe they're going to come back in, but then you move them out again they do not belong in urban areas. Period. No, right. Right. No. Now, thanks for the call. And I mean, and, and here, seriously, here, here's what's going to happen. Um, some kid is going to get attacked. Now, I, I understand they say, well, they don't typically do that type of thing. Well, all right, and, and you hope that's not going to be the case. But I mean, that's going to. I predict that at some point in time that that's going to happen. Now, if it's your pet, now we've had a couple stories about you know people in Wauwatosa over the last year or so who were attacked, had their pets attacked by coyotes while they were walking them. All right, so maybe that hits home to me because I'm a dog owner and a dog lover. But uh, uh, so maybe you say, oh, it's just the dog, whatever. Well, it's easy to say if it's not your pet. But, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a kid sometime soon. And then we're all going to be sitting around and people will have had, you know, our thumbs up certain parts of their anatomy going, oh, well, maybe we should have done something about this. Let's talk to Kathy in West Dallas. Kathy, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Kathy. Um, I heard what you said to the previous caller, yeah, and I know people along the Menominee River Parkway, right. they circulated a couple of horns that they were all, you know, because they needed to have something shrill, and yes, she was right about it scares the heck out of your dog sometimes. Uh, the other thing is pepper spray is legal, and if you have a close encounter, that may be your best thing, and you may have to empty it on them, you know. And sometimes it's more than one coyote, you know, where there's a little circle of them, and you're you're kind of okay. Okay, what am I see, see, what, Kathy? What am I missing about this in, entire thing? You you've got and and look, I I'm I'm not a coyote hater, but if 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 they they do not belong in urban right. areas, and I, I mean, think they should be trapped. Yeah, right, 
Right, exactly. I mean, that. What, what is it going to take before we wake up and say, all right, now we, we understand because we, we haven't been aggressive about this and they've moved into the areas and now they're not afraid of people. I mean, I understand all the stuff, but the, to tell somebody who's paying a ton of property taxes, for example, in Milwaukee County, you can't leave your dog out in the backyard. I mean, that, that's not a reasonable response. Um, like I say, I've known people along, I have friends along the Menominee River Parkway on the north side, and yeah, the coyotes are part of the habitat now, and um, March is supposed to be mating season. That's what I'd read in, in yeah. Wildlife Magazine, so they're out, they're looking for a mate. I saw one two weeks ago just howling out in the park, you know, and oh, yeah. and they're, they're looking for a den, so they're going to be raising their young ones. Well, then they'll be a little more confined, but they might be a little more protective of their territory, too, so I- it can get scary, and... Um, also, sometimes, now, I've seen animals once in a while that don't look like they got a healthy coat, like well, they could have mange or parasites, uh, and that's a, a community problem, too, when you start spreading mange around a neighborhood. Right, which is all the more reason, thanks, thanks for the call, which is all the more reason in an urban area, like Milwaukee County, for example, or the city of Milwaukee, for authorities to move in and to take care of the problem. Now, in more rural areas, I get that there's a degree of self-help that's out there. I mean, I, I you know, in more rural areas, you know, you have one of these coyotes or something that come onto your property and, you know, you know, go after your animals or whatever. Well, a lot of people are going to get their guns and they're going to take care of themselves. Well, you can't legally do that. You can't discharge a firearm in Milwaukee County. Now, you so you can't legally do that. I understand if it's a situation where you're being attacked or your pet is being attacked as you're walking it. I, I can't even believe, even in John Chisholm's office, that they would, would prosecute somebody for defending themselves. But who knows what they would do. But that's not the long-term answer anyways. You, you shouldn't have to carry firearms. Now, if you're walking a dog in the city of Milwaukee, there might be all sorts of reasons why you need to carry a firearm. But at least in my opinion, it shouldn't be to protect yourself from a predator, and this is a four-legged predator's attack, because they don't belong here. And for the DNR to say, well, carry an air horn, or the Milwaukee County Parks people to say, carry an air horn? Come on. 1259, this is Jeff Wagner. When we come back, PG-13 warning. Um, it's a story out of my alma mater, Nicolay High School, and the creep factor is off the charts. Stick around. It's 109, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, um, I'm giving a PG-13, maybe even R warning. <laughs> Eric Bill's there. Yeah, maybe, maybe even R, because I, th- this next topic. But I, I want to I want to discuss it from a couple different perspectives, but it, it is adult. And so I'm giving you, giving you a warning if you're driving around in the car with, uh, you know, the, some... Some little ears in the car or whatever that, you know, might not want to hear a semi-adult topic. I get it. Come back in about 15 minutes. But but this is uh, one. Th- this one does kind of go right through me. I mentioned it a little bit yesterday. But th- the more that comes out, the more aggravating it is. And I guess the overall question is, is how could this be allowed to go on? Here Here's the story. I'm a graduate of Nicolay High School in Glendale. At, at the time I graduated, 1975, it was um, – there were my graduating class was like five or six hundred people. It, it was Nicolay High School it was over two thousand kids 
it's nowhere near that that size now. But again, big graduating classes. Nicolay um, had a reputation of being a, a big college prep school. I've talked about this before. You know, they always boasted about the fact that oh, we've got a ninety-seven percent college placement rate. And even back then, I kept thinking, well, you know, a lot of kids that are going on to college that were pushing into college probably really don't belong in college. Maybe there's there's other things they could do, but they, they never tracked college graduation rates. But in, in any event. It, it was, I considered, I think I got a very good education at Nicolay High School. Um, although, candidly, this story is kind of not making me reassess my education, but, but what could have been going on there at the time? Nicolay was very well known at the time, maybe still is, don't know. Um, they had a, a, a top-notch mathematics department, and, and that was one of the, the, the big things. And the guy that, essentially ran their mathematics department. It was a guy named David Johnson, who I I never, I was not, whatever my talents are, I've told this story before. When I, my second semester in college, I had, I, I was taking a lot of classes. I had six A's and a D. The, the D was in advanced uh, calculus, and that was, and, and, and that was a gift. <laughs> that was really, I just, I, I just, my, I'm fine. I'm good with numbers and statistics and things like that, but advanced mathematics was just never my thing. I was never in the really, really advanced math classes. So, I mean, I never had him as a teacher, but he was a big deal. I mean, this was, it was like this nationally known math program, and he was the star of the, this type of thing. He also ran a couple of the student organizations. The one I remember is this thing called the hosts, which is where, you know, he would choose people and, and it was, it was, I think it was all guys, um, but you know, they, they they were. It was something. It was something that you, whenever there was people that would visit the school, the hosts would escort them around, and they'd be ushers and things like that. And it was it was something that was kind of prestigious to get on your, your resume. I was not a host either, but it was it was one of those things. It was a big deal. Okay, so he teaches from fifty nine until ninety one. All right. Well, the story that broke yesterday, and I, I'm looking at the report of the investigator was in May of 2016, so almost two years ago, a 1982 graduate of Nicolay High School sends them an email saying that they were the guy was sexually molested by Mr. Johnson, the math teacher who taught at Nicolay while he was a student. Um, Nicolay goes out and, and they decide they're going to investigate this. They hire a private law firm to then conduct the investigation. So this goes back two years ago. Um, long story short, the conclusion of the investigator is that, um, yeah, th- this guy, his story is, is credible, and the, the investigator believes him. And the, the story is that back in 1982, uh, the kid was a junior, the person was a junior at the time, and he says this molestation occurred over the course of the junior year on multiple weekends, how the teacher would pick him up from his home on Saturday mornings, drive him to Nicolay. They would go into one of the empty classrooms in the home ec area, home ec area where the teacher would then close the curtains, ask the kid to change into gym clothes. Um, he would then use safety pins to pin up the kid's shorts and instruct him to do exercises that would result in physical contact between the kid's exposed legs and the teacher's clothed genital area. It it goes on in a little bit more detail, but you under, I think you might probably get the idea of what was going on here and what ended up happening. Okay, so the kid, the the victim says that uh, this experiment—that was what the math teacher would say. I'm, I'm conducting this experiment. <clears throat> 
The same experiment occurred every four to six weeks during the junior year in the same manner as described above. Total number of experiments numbering between five and ten. The investigator says that he finds this to be credible. Um, then they find, and this is where it's really disturbing, they, they find a teacher um, back in 83-84, and the teacher says that while teaching a summer school typing class at Nicolay, a student approaches her and says that uh, essentially the same thing, or a variation of this, had happened to that student, all right? The teach so you've got this teacher who has this report. Now keep in mind that this guy that's being accused, big deal, big wheel at Nicolet. Um, so the teacher says, "Okay, I've got this kid that says that this is what's happening." The teacher calls the Glendale Police Department, doesn't hear back from them. Um, then apparently um, she gets a call from the district administrator who passed away two years ago, who calls her into the office and says. Don't talk about this anymore. <laughs> Don't talk about this anymore. Um, then she says that a school mem- board member calls her up, uh, takes her to lunch, and says, uh, we know this, but but don't do not do anything. Don't you talk about it. We're going to uh, address this. And apparently what happens is, um, while some people are dead and some people don't remember this, what apparently happens is, is the guy – the teacher who was accused of again doing this stuff with this second kid um, was apparently warned not to engage in the conduct again, or his employment would be terminated. <laughs> okay, don't do this again with the child, or you will be fired. So you've got these two different reports that are out there. The investigator also finds out that uh, then in 2002, after the teacher has retired. Apparently, there is a similar sort of action. Tires back in Wapaka, and apparently, um, same sort of thing happens in Wapaka, where um, March of 2003, uh, again, um, there's somebody who goes to the house to do lawn work, and similar sort of stuff happens, and, and that leads to a conviction. But, but now, I guess the question is out there is now that this is becoming public. Are there other people that this happened to? And again, it, it's it's beyond the statute of limitations. There, there's nothing you can do criminally. But Nicolay found out about this, and they sent a letter to, I'm holding a copy of the letter in my hand. I have not received mine yet, but um, I think they have my address. I expect that this will be coming in the mail sometime soon, where they are, are disclosing what happened in general terms, attaching a copy of the report that I have, and acknowledging that um, apparently this was covered up by the, the school board and by the then superintendent back in 1983. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Iconet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess I, I don't really have a specific question, but I will tell you, as somebody who went to Nicolay High School it, during this period uh, of time, I am just appalled appalled that the grown-ups in the room now i understand 1983 is different but i am appalled that a school superintendent who passed away two years ago and members of the school board could learn about stuff like this apparently determine that there was some veracity to it 
and then simply look the other way. And I guess I do now wonder, um, I mean, I don't know, but if this happened to two kids, the, the question becomes, did it happen to, to others as, as well? And again, the investigators determined, based on what he was able to put together, this was credible. The teacher that's accused, um, you know, de- deny, admits the experiments, but denies, you know, the, the ultimate culmination of this. But 414-799-1620, I guess as a Nicolay graduate, I'm appalled by this. I, I, I am, and it's just, it, it taints your entire high school experience, knowing that the people that are supposed to be protecting kids apparently decided we're, we're not going to get involved with this, or, gee, this is a, a powerful, well-known teacher who's mentored all sorts of students and who's well-known across the country and who brings us all sorts of prestige nationally. So we're going to look the other way. 414-799-1620, Alice in Janesville. Alice, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. This makes me physically sick. Okay, and don't, and no, don't, I know what you might be talking about, so don't mention any names, okay? No, no names. I'm okay. not going to, no, I won't mention any names. Okay. We have an exact situation here in Janesville. And um, no one's come out. It is not well known. Um, not like this courageous um, 19, uh, you, you said an 81 graduate? 82 graduate, yeah, 82. 82. We don't have anyone coming out, so I won't use names because I won't be the whistleblower. But it makes my skin crawl that our one of our local teachers here in town is still celebrated. And knowing what I know, I it's very difficult to not, say anything except that i am protecting those that have not come forward yeah so yeah i and how so can happy. adults do this i mean it, it is very very clear from you know what the, the scope of this investigation and clearly what the current board thinks that this was covered up by the superintendent and by board members here let's talk to him and tell him don't 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 continue to conduct experiments, you know, with with kids on weekends. I mean, really, what right. could people have been thinking back then? Well, and it's scary to think how many people knew about it at the time. Oh yeah, the the gossip that circulated, and the people from 1982 up until now, all the people that didn't say anything, and all the people that didn't protect the kids. Right. And I think the school district. I assume they just don't even know what to do. Right. I mean, well, that's it. Because, again, it, it's, I mean, nobody, the, the, the superintendent has passed, who is at, that passed away. No, most of the school board members, or many of them, have passed away. And others have various recollections of this. Because, again, it was 30-some years ago. But the, the investigator certainly concluded that there is veracity to this. You know, it's interesting, Alice. I, I want to reach out. I have a, a very dear friend of mine who was a teacher during that period of time. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm now going to ask him whether there were rumors among the teachers about this, because you would think that people would know. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just, thanks for taking my call. It makes me physically ill that I can't speak out and say anything, but I'm glad you brought it up. I hope this guy pays the price. Thanks, Nicole. But, I mean, at this point in time, of course, there's no, the the, the statute of limitations has expired. So, I mean, there's no criminal thing that, that can happen. Maybe it was an isolated thing. Maybe it was just these these two kids. But you know who who knows? And I guess that's the question. You know, are are now more people going to come forward and saying there were similar sort of experiments that were run with them? Brandon in Franklin. Brandon, you're on WTMJ. Hello. 
Hi, Jeff. Thanks Hi, Brandon. for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, this is absolutely disgusting. Uh, to try and play it off as an experiment <laughs> with, with the kids is just unacceptable. I, right. I mean, you did the whole thing, and that's kind of the conclusion. The investigator's like, okay, the guy would pick this kid up on week on Saturday mornings, take him to the vacant high school, go into a home rec room, close the curtains, and then, you know, pin up gym shorts. I mean, the, yeah, that, that that's a hell of an experiment, Brandon, you know? Yeah, there's, there's a couple red flags. There, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a couple, uh, yeah. Uh, you, you were saying you, you went to this high school, correct? Uh, I, I went there. I, I'm a 75 graduate. My brother is a 1982 graduate. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, you know, the whole situation with Kurt Wojciechowski that was circulating through the news a few weeks ago, uh, I, I actually, he was my teacher back when I went to Cuthead Middle School. Okay, yeah, and I, I don't want to go into, right, I mean, that's a public, I don't want to go into, like, particular details and stuff like that, but right. so, I mean, you, you you understand what we're talking about here. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, situation. It, it's, I mean, th- thanks for the call. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's just one of the these things, and again, every one of these stories is going to be, you know, different, but the, the adults are supposed to be protecting the kids. And I understand it's it's a different time, but the adults are supposed to be protecting the children. And, and, and I mean, how can you get a report like this? Seriously, whether it's 1983 or whether it's 2018, how can you get a report like this and say, well, we've talked to the teacher and we've told him to not do it again? <laughs> I mean, I it just... What what planet are people on? 124, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 134, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Quick reminder, Insight 2018 is this evening. Uh, doors open at 5.30. I think there's still an opportunity to get a ticket if you go to WTMJ.com. Uh, tomorrow, the show gets going. That would be the big show gets going, and they're playing for real this time. The Brewers kick off their 2018 season in sunny San Diego against the Padres. Hall of Famer Bob Euchre is on the call to kick off his 48th season as the voice of the Brewers. Our game day coverage starts at 2.35 tomorrow afternoon. Is that right? Brew is producing the show. I, people are telling me it's it's 2. It's 2.35? Oh, yeah, somewhere around there. Well, it does make a difference whether it's 2 or 2.35. Yeah, I thought it was 2 o'clock as well. I, yeah, I don't, we'll, we'll, we'll check that out because, see, I'm not supposed to be here tomorrow because we're playing Insight back, and I've been sitting at these meetings, you know, as, as to they're timing this stuff out. So whatever, Brewers baseball right after our partial replay of Insight 2018 tomorrow. All right, here is the story. It comes from Hog Mountain, Georgia. Hog Mountain, Georgia. Don't know where Hog Mountain, Georgia is. Here's the deal. There's a woman who is not happy with her 13-year-old son behavior at school. Um, here's, here's what she says. She says, so lately, my 13-year-old son had been acting a little entitled, acting like he's too good to shop at Walmart and making snarky comments about kids at school who shop at the Goodwill and quite a few other things. I don't tolerate that. So, today, I made him take $20 of his own money. I made him go to the Goodwill and buy clothes to wear the entire week to school. Whatever he found is what he would have to wear. 
He isn't happy and shed a few tears, but I firmly believe in 15 years he will look back and laugh at the day his mom made him shop at Goodwill. I want to teach my kids that money isn't everything, and if you have to degrade other people because of where they shop, then you too will shop there. Side note, I love the Goodwill. Let me, let me just say this as an aside as well. I've been, of, of course, I'm in the process of moving, so I've been cleaning out the, the house I lived in for 30 years, and I took a lot of really good stuff to the Goodwill. I mean, there was just stuff that I couldn't use moving forward, and yeah, I took a lot of if if you happen to land on some of the stuff that I have donated over the last couple months to Goodwill, you you would be doing pretty well because it was it was good stuff. But I, again, so here you have this woman; she thinks her kid is entitled, making fun. This is that that kind of brand envy that you get in high schools nowadays, I guess. You know, making snarky comments about people who didn't you know have that kind of brand name clothing. So she's like, okay, here here's what I'm I'm going to do. And she also she posted this on social media. And the post includes a photo of the kid, um, you know, dragging four pieces of clothing behind him through the Goodwill store. Now, what's interesting is this this act has generated a bunch of controversy. I would say the majority of the comments are things like, great job, mom. Some are less fortunate and shouldn't be picked on because of where they shop. This will teach him a, a lifelong lesson. And other people making the point that, well, you know, um, you know, Goodwill, they've got a lot of, they got good brand named items there. There's nothing wrong with, you know, shopping at Goodwill. You can find all sorts of great stuff. But interestingly, um, other people were criticizing them. Um, we, um, for example, I honestly believe the parents are going too far with this. You know, maybe. Instead of punishing him, they should have taken some responsibility and thinking of how they were raising him before he acts out. Um, another commentator upset that mom was shaming her kid and worried that he might get bullied at school for it. Wow, well, way to shame your kid at school. Now he's going to get made fun of just like whoever he was making fun of himself. Right. Interesting conversation, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Woman says, I'm irritated with my 13-year-old kid. He's feeling entitled. He's making fun of people who are wearing less expensive clothing than he is. And so I said, all right, you know, we're taking you know your own money. You're going to the Goodwill store. You're going to shop, and you're going to wear that clothing for, you know, for a week. So, you know, you can see... You know what it's like, and her point is to try to teach him not to be, I guess, an arrogant elite snob. And uh, mom is getting applauded, but she's also getting criticized for it. Oh, you shouldn't shame the kid. Things are going to be too bad. All right. Is mom out of line by this public shaming of her child? And by the way, I mean, mom posts her name. I didn't I didn't read the name, but I mean, people are going to know who the kid is. I mean, there's a picture of the kid. Mom is using her name. Um, she has publicly identified her son, but I think part of that was a considered effort. She she wants a degree of public shaming to try to get the point across. Did mom go too far? I actually, I applaud mom, but maybe I'm in the minority. 414-799-1620. Tell you what, Gru is lining up the calls. We'll be back to talk about it in just a moment. It's 141. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
It's 144. Jeff Wagner, WPMJ. Russian diplomats are being expelled from the United States. What does that mean for the nation? What does it mean to Wisconsinites? John McCure and Melissa Barkley explore 520 this afternoon on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Let's talk to uh, Dave downtown. Dave, good afternoon. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a life lesson for the kids. I mean, it, it, it's like volunteering at a soup kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's so I don't think the mom is doing anything. She's trying to point out certain aspects of of their lives and what they're entitled to. And it, it, There's no harm in that at all. And I, I think it's a wake-up call for the kid. And these other people, helicopter parents, we want to call them. They need to get a clue. Was mom wrong by going public with this? Now, interestingly, this post right now has over like 200,000 people who've apparently seen it. She says, I I didn't think it was going to have 200,000. I just thought like some close friends were going to see it. You know, I I thought maybe I'd get a dozen or two dozen. I didn't realize it was going to go viral. Was she wrong in in publicly shaming her kid by putting it up on the Internet? I think she was because it's her child and and it's the Internet. I mean, it's the wild, wild west. Um, So I, I don't think she has the right for his privacy, and, and I'm a conservative guy, and, and I get enough, if she wants to have the kids stand on that street corner or something, or whatever, I, I, yeah, I think going worldwide with it, well, yeah. Well, okay, yeah. And, but, think, but, but, that's it, that's sort of, but that's an interesting thing. You know, you, you do hear these stories about public shaming, you know, where the, the dad puts the kid, or the mom, or whoever, you know, puts the kid on the uh, the, the sidewalk or the median strip with the sign saying, I shoplifted, or, or whatever, and that those often go viral as well. Somebody takes a picture of it, it gets shown on the local news, or somebody, they put it up on the Internet, and so all of a sudden a couple hundred thousand people or more end up seeing it. I, I guess that that that's the nature when you do something public. I mean, is that is that something that's bad? And I guess I don't, you know, in this particular thing, she was trying to make a, a point, and if it does embarrass the kid, well, oh, okay, you know, you do publicly embarrass him. I guess that's fine. But he, he's learned his lesson. I, I don't think it's going to be harmful to him. Um, and, and perhaps he's, he's learned his lesson that you don't make fun of people who are less fortunate than you are. Let's talk to John in Oshkosh. John, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yes, uh, I have a comment, yes, sure. on this topic. Uh, first of all, I mean, to shame uh, anybody for uh, doing uh, – Going to Goodwill and stuff like that is absolutely moronic. Uh, frankly, um, you know, I mean, for, if that kid shamed somebody for wearing something from Goodwill, that's wrong, too. But what my point is, I have been to Goodwill. I have bought some really fascinating items there mm-hmm. that were discounted down to almost free, like uh, Wisconsin attire, uh, Badger attire, mm. a coat, pullovers. You pick them off for eight bucks. I mean, uh, over the counter in some oh. of those places are seventy five dollars. Oh well, that, that's a good lesson in how to uh, be frugal. Well, right, exactly. And I guess what what prompted this was the kid was making fun of people who you know weren't wearing the brand items. I mean, I I know exactly what you're talking about. At Goodwill. I mean, like I was saying earlier, I, I'll just use my example. The last several months, I've been in the process of cleaning out you know my house to get ready for for moving and um my late wife had all sorts of she was a lawyer had all sorts of really really good clothes and things like that and and some went 
to, you know, a couple charities that, you know, give clothes to, you know, women who, who need professional attire. A lot of stuff went to Goodwill. I mean, and it was a lot of, like, good stuff. And so I, I'm sure whoever, you know, land, I hope, I hope all this stuff found good homes because, you know, that's what I wanted. And I, I'm sure it, I'm sure that whoever bought it got it for a lot less than we paid for it, you know, when we bought it over the years. And you know what? I'm cool with that. I think that's absolutely great. Sam in Chicago. Sam, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How you Hi, doing? Sam. Good. All right. I'm going to make a couple points. I'll make it quick because I know you're on this a lot of time. So oh. um, the first the first one I was making is that I don't think she went far enough, and not necessarily with the shaming portion of it, which, by the way, I have no problem with, uh, because if it doesn't happen on the Internet, kids don't believe it happened nowadays. Right. So I don't really think that's a problem. But th- what I'm saying is when she doesn't take it far enough, she should have showed him how to spend the $20 if she didn't do it. I didn't see that in the story. But if she didn't show him, like, show him how, because I'll be honest with you, Jeff, right now, I am wearing a really nice pair of Calvin Klein jeans that I bought from Goodwill, <laughs> yeah. and I did not pay Calvin Klein prices. Yeah. So, it, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, exactly. It's a place for all, all sorts of, it's a place for all sorts of deals. Yeah. So you would, you know, your point is she could have, he could have gotten a lot of those brain, brand name things that he was mocking other kids for not wearing. He could have gotten them at Goodwill anyways. Oh, absolutely. I have, because I, I wear stuff for work. I mean, I get to wear jeans at work, but they have to be nice jeans and I have to wear nice shirts. But I get them all, um, they get dirty, and I'm not going to buy really nice stuff anyway and spend a lot of money on stuff that's going to get dirty or snagged or ruined, but I'm still wearing really nice name brand stuff that I can get out of there and pay $20 and have a week's worth of clothes. Um, yeah, no, th- thanks. And, and that's exactly, I, I guess that's the um, that's the point. Okay, let's see. I'm, here's a note. I'm with, with the mom. My husband makes six figures, and we have plenty of money. However, I shop for most of my clothes as well as my five kids, including teens, at Goodwill. We also donate to Goodwill. It's just smart and savvy and no reason to hide it. All kids need to learn these life lessons, and he will be better for it. Uh, let's see. My parents used to buy me brand-name clothes when I was younger. Now, being 24, I wish they wouldn't have spent the money in those particular clothes. I applaud this mother for her recognition of the insignificance of buying her son brand-name clothes. Um, yeah, I, she's trying to make... A point. Um, let's see. I applaud the mother. It's good to hear a story of parenting. Why are we supposed to be afraid of hurting our children's feelings and raising them? That's the idea. No. Um, Casey in Watertown says, good for the mom. Being frugal is a great trait. Goodwill is full of brand names and it's eco-friendly. Yeah, all those, um, you know, all those different things. Let's see. It depends on what constitutes shaming. This is great publicity for Goodwill. My son, 22 years old, would make Goodwill his first stop if you gave him uh, money to shop with. Absolutely. I guess to me, there's two issues. First of all, I think, you know, this is clearly an appropriate thing to, again, say to the kid, look, you know, it doesn't matter whether the brand names are there or not. But also, I don't have a problem with posting this on the Internet. I I, I don't. Um, That's one of the ways the message gets out. Now, mom said, yeah, I didn't realize that this was going to be a national phenomena. But at the same time. All right, I don't think this is any different than making the kids stand outside on the median strip with the sandwich board saying, gee, I, I, I disrespected my parents or I hit my sister or, you know, I, I stole money from the whatever. I don't think there's a problem with that. I think this is the way that lessons get learned. 152, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 154, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Coming up at the start of the 2 o'clock hour, Walmart takes on Cosmopolitan. Belinda Babinick, who happens to be sitting in the studio. Are you, are you a Cosmo girl? Do you read Cosmo? I do not read magazines. 
Okay. Not at all. No. Did you ever read Cosmo? Yeah, I used to. Um, It's uh, interesting. Some of the articles are interesting. (laughs) I'll take your word for it. I mean, I haven't. um, This is, God, this is going back a long time. I, I dated a girl who... Years, I mean, we're we're talking this this we're, we're talking decades ago, decades and decades ago. It's a long time um, uh, before I, I I was married. Um, I dated a gal who who used to religiously buy Cosmo, and it and they always they, there was always a Cosmo test, you know, that they wanted to, you know, and it just I refused to play, you know. It was always one of those things like like take the test and you know what whatever. And I just I just always refused to play. No, I I wanted no part of that. So I I have not. I have not seen the inside of a Cosmopolitan magazine for decades and decades. But if you haven't heard this, Walmart has taken a particular position with regard to Cosmo. And I'm going to share that with you and um, see if we have any Cosmo readers out there. That's coming up in just a couple minutes. In addition, during the 2 o'clock hour, um, it's something that I'm going to be asking our guests at Insights tonight about. It's the so-called enthusiasm gap. Um, all these different polls out there, and it start. I mean, is it play? It's playing out in some of these special elections you've had. Um, the people who are most eager to vote are also the people that just despise President Trump. Um, is is there an enthusiasm gap, and how do people overcome it? Like I say, I'm going to ask a number of our guests a question related to that at Insight tonight. But I want to talk about that with you. So that's coming up as well. But before that. I, every once in a while, there's these stories that I, I just shake my head about. Um, I, I I don't go to Walt Disney World or Disney World in California um, as as much as some people do. My my brother and sister in law and the kids just absolutely love it. So every once in a while, I, I will I will accompany them down there because I, I'm not a big ride guy. I mean, I, I think it's just a great marketing model. I, I think they do a great job, but it, it's expensive and Again, if, if I don't have kids myself, I'm not a ride guy. There's not, uh, you can play golf, but it, it's not, there's other places you could go to do that. But I mean, I, I think Disney is really good at providing wholesome family entertainment. All right. Planned Parenthood in Pennsylvania yesterday called for the Walt Disney Company to create an animated princess who's had an abortion. I swear to God. Planned Parenthood Keystone, a branch of the health service provider in Trexlertown, Pennsylvania, tweeted, We need a Disney princess who's had an abortion. We need a Disney princess who's pro-choice. We need a Disney princess who's an undocumented immigrant. We need a Disney princess who's actually a union worker. Um, we need a Disney princess who's trans. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine if, if I'm sitting at the headquarters of Disney in Florida or California, wherever this is, and I'm trying to figure out what what do we need? What is the next best big thing that we need to help move the brand along and inspire young women or whatever or to sell merchandise? And I will tell you this, of all the different things that they might need, the last thing that Disney needs in the world, with all due respect to these crazy people at Planned Parenthood in Pennsylvania, is a Disney princess who's had an abortion. Oh, yeah. But yet, of course, they're serious about this. We need to bring these princesses into 2018. 
no, 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 no. Princesses have a certain role in the Disney universe, and and no, you you don't need one who has had an abortion, and you don't need one who's pro-choice, and you don't need one who's an undocumented immigrant. Why don't you just let princesses be princesses and let kids be kids? All right, it's one fifty nine. Back with much more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Two oh eight, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Quick reminder, one final time, Insight 2018 is this evening. Doors open at 530. We're at the Country Springs Hotel um, in Waukesha. Uh, the taping starts at 630. I think you can still get tickets at uh, WTMJ.com. We're going to have a very large turnout tonight. We're very much looking forward to that. Um, Governor Walker is going to be the headliner. Kevin Nicholson, uh, GOP Senate candidates there. Um, we did a remote interview. Matter of fact, I taped it this morning with uh, State Senator Leah Vukmir, who's also running for the Republican nomination. Uh, Congressman Glenn Grothman, Attorney General Brad Schimmel. Uh, uh, let's see, Michael Skranek, Judge Michael Skranek, who's going to be on the ballot next Tuesday for the state Supreme Court. My friend Kathleen O'Leary from the Wisconsin State Fair. Um, it's going to be a wonderful evening, so we're going to have a lot of fun. So if you're Looking for something to do tonight? Still a little bit of time to uh, check that out. Okay, Gru, who's producing the show today? I probably know this answer, but do you do your own taxes or do you have somebody else do them? Second year of doing it yourself. Before that, did you have somebody do it? Okay, your mother is an accountant. That's very convenient, but now you're toughing it out. Okay, that's good. That's good. I um, For years and years and years... I, I prided myself on, on doing the taxes my, myself. Um, I would sit down and make the calculations. And I bring this up because uh, taxes due April 15th. So if you haven't done them, you're, you're going to have to start attacking that. Hopefully you've assembled documents and things like that. But I, I did them myself. I would keep all the documents together during the year. And then because I, I for, for many, 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 many years, I had to pay estimated taxes, and so I, I really I wanted to know had I gotten it right, was I going to owe money, things like that. So, and then, then I would sit down, I would attack it sometime like in January. But, but even though I didn't have the most complicated taxes, there was stuff going on, and I, I used TurboTax is, is what I used to use um, to do this. Well, last year because my, my life had gotten a little bit complicated. I finally said, look, I, life is too short. I, I want to make sure I'm getting this right. So I got some recommendations, and I hired an accountant, and, and she's absolutely outstanding. And I was really glad I did because even though, I mean, I, I've, I've, got a, I've got a degree in business, and I, I've you know got a law degree and things like that, but, I mean, I'm not up on most of the current tax changes. And I was really glad I did because I knew I had a lot of stuff going on last year. And, and, and candidly, my accountant caught a couple things that I would not have caught, including, you know, some errors and some documents that somebody had that that a business had provided me that we're going to report to the IRS. And she just looked at it and said, "This isn't right," and you know, called them up and ended up getting it straightened out. So you know, I didn't have I didn't have a mess down the line. I mean, the last thing you want is you file your taxes and then six months later the IRS comes and says, "Hey, this documentation is all screwed up," and then you have to go back to the jump. So it was very, very well worth it. So this year, um, my last tax year, 2017, well, I was going to say it wasn't quite as complicated, but I got married, you know. So it's you know, there's these things, and I just decided, you know what, I'm I'm going to try this. I'm I'm going to keep using it. It's just I, I like the accountant, and so I bundled up all my stuff, and I, I sent it in. And last Sunday night, I get a call saying, 
I've got a bunch of questions for you, which is never a good thing to do. And when the accountant says, I'm looking at your taxes, I got a bunch of questions. And actually, it was um, quite straightforward. It wasn't that complicated. And, and actually, she, she had a, a great tip. She said, you know, you can, you're not contributing as much as you possibly could to your, your health savings account. And if you were to, because you got married in September, did you know that you could fully fund your wife's health savings account for the whole year? And if you put in X amount of dollars, it would save you, you know, not only would you be able to have that money, but it would save you, you know, whatever the dollar amount was for your taxes. I said, really? And I said, oh, great. So, I mean, that just talking to her, um, again, I, I think saved me some money. It was something that I would not have thought of or else I would have done it. Uh, but the reality is for most people, Doing taxes now is like having your teeth drilled without without Novocaine. One of the things I am hoping, and again, I I'm now I'm born again when it comes to using an accountant, and, and I think that that's going to be my plan moving forward. Because, like I say, last couple of years, my accountant has caught stuff that I think I would have that I would have missed or given me some ideas about things that I could do before I file, which would end up saving me money, and that's that's well worth it. Plus, you don't have the aggravation of having to do it yourself. You just assemble all the stuff, and somebody else does it. I think, though, for many people, and I was talking to a friend of mine who, who still does his family's taxes longhand, doesn't even use you know one of the programs from TurboTax or H&R Block or anything like that. He, he does it longhand. Now, he has a relative who's also an accountant, who then he he looks them over before he, they file them, but I, I think for a lot of people, even people with straightforward taxes, you know, straightforward filing things, I I think that the tax system and the rules have become so complex that you almost force most people to end up, you know, having to use some sort of tax preparer. One of the things that I am hoping for is with the changes that, you know, you had put into place with the tax law last year. And again, I, I don't know if they're going to ultimately benefit me or not. I think I'm, I, I just don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But, but doesn't matter. I think the tax code is way, 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 way too complicated. And I think the truth is the majority of people should be able to file their taxes Without having to go to a professional. Now, I, I'm nothing wrong with going to a professional. Like I say, I'm, I think it's the greatest thing in the world and I, I'm thrilled with the, the lady that does my taxes. But I, I think, I, I think the majority of people, you know, and, unless you've got something really strange or complex going on, I think average people should be able to, you know, sit down and in the space of a half hour or an hour, be able to do the taxes. And yet I think for many people, that's that's just not where we are now. One segment, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Our taxes, and for many of you, I understand that you're either getting your documents together to take to your preparer, or you're going to be sitting down, you know, with a cup of coffee or maybe something stronger, you know, to try to deal with the taxes over the course of the next few weeks if you haven't done it already. Our taxes the tax, is it unnecessarily complicated? Are you hoping that whatever they have done is going to make this a lot more simple so you don't have to have an accounting degree 
where you don't have to, if you choose not to, pay that third-party preparer to do it. 414-799-1620. And again, I'm not trying to discourage people from doing it. Like I say, you know, my situation, it's it's just, I'm now kicking myself. I think I should have probably done this five or ten years ago just to make my life a little bit easier. But the, the bottom line is taxes are just too darn, darn complex. And for most people, I just really believe that, you know, we should we should simplify this stuff. People should be able to file tax returns without, again, all of this angst, unless you've got weird stuff going on. And I understand sometimes things are complicated if you've got all sorts of complications. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are taxes unnecessarily complex? Let's start with Roger. Roger, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, sir. Yes, I uh, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I do, be- I do believe that the laws are unacceptably complex. I don't really think like there's anybody to blame for that exactly, but that's the situation. And here's my thought. I wish that somebody was that's in a position of power to influence would think in terms of our federal government and also Wisconsin state government going to nothing but a sales tax, no income tax. Um, there are eight states in the United States of America that do not have an income tax. They only use a sales right. tax. They do just fine. I lived, let me conclude by saying, I lived in Washington State for 20 years. They have no income tax. They have a, a sales tax. They do just fine. When you stop and think about it, I mean, there's, you, you can't cheat on a sales tax. You can get rid of all those well, you're wonderful people, but we could eliminate the Department of Revenue, all those positions, save all those tax dollars. But I'll let you, I'll okay. you comment well, no, uh, off the air. Well, thanks, Roger. I mean, I guess I... I have to. Th- I mean, there's all sorts of proposals that are out there: sales tax, value-added tax, all those different types of of things. Some some states have no income tax; others have a smaller income tax. But you know, put the in Wisconsin, for example, we have this huge reliance on the property tax, and it, it's it's going to vary, I guess, from community to community as to what's better. And I I don't claim to be an expert on that, but I I do firmly believe that it, that it should be simpler. It, it just it needs to be in a situation where I think average people should be able to fill out their tax return without panicking, be able to do it honestly, and then, you know, know where they stand. Joe in Oshkosh. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Joe. What do you think? I, I truthfully, I feel that people make it out to be more intimidating than it is. I, for the longest time, did my own taxes longhand. I've, over the past oh, five to ten years, gone to TurboTax or software-based thing, right. just for ease of filing more than anything. But it, for the average Joe, I have a college edu- or a high school education. It's not that difficult. People make it more intimidating than what it really is. Yeah, it's. Um, I guess it depends on how it depends on how complicated your financial situation is and what you've got going on. Um, like I said, I think TurboTax. If if you're just talking about you know, your W-2 income and, you know, maybe some interest income and, you know, the basic deductions, maybe you own your house and maybe you pay the state taxes. I, I think it's fine. It, it It is interesting when I've gone to an accountant and maybe it's just me, she's found stuff that I would have missed and I missed doing it with TurboTax, but that might just be me. <laughs> I fully acknowledge it. Now, thanks for the call. I mean, again, we, we are, I, I think people do complicate the matters, but at the same time, I I think in many respects for people that just again have W two income, um, 
and, and don't have enormous deductions and aren't going to be caught by the alternative minimum tax and things like that, you really, it, it should almost be a postcard. It, it really should be. You know, what what is your income? You know, how much tax have you had withheld? How many dependents do you have? Boom, fill out that postcard, send it in, and then go to the races. All right, when we come back, a controversy involving Cosmopolitan Magazine. I'll tell you about it. We'll take calls. Stick around. It's 220. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 223. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Ever wonder what it's like to work on a road crew during Wisconsin's busy spring construction season? John and Melissa share the unexpected dangers you might have thought of. 434 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Working on the road crew. Okay. It has been decades since I have seen the inside of a Cosmopolitan magazine. Decades, decades, decades. But Cosmopolitan magazine is, is still around. Not a, lot of, a lot of magazines have gone, uh, again, the way of the dinosaur over the course of the last several decades. But Cosmo still is. Walmart has recently made a decision to remove Cosmopolitan, not from the stores, but from the checkout lines. You know, those things that you're, you're buying food at Walmart or a lot of those stores, and they have the, the impulse purchase stuff that's right at the front. You um, you stand in line, and they've got all the, the candy that's there, and then they've got the, like the sort of the weird things. Oh, maybe I want to try this out. And then they've got the magazines. You've got the National Enquirer. You know, see the... See the boy with the potato head and space aliens abducted my wife, all that type of stuff. And they're, they're trying to, you know, induce you to, to buy that. Cosmo is one of the things that appears a lot of times at the checkout counters. Well, Walmart has recently said, okay, we are making a business decision. We're going to be removing Cosmo from checkout lines at our 5,000 stores across the country. Walmart says, oh, look, here, here's the deal. Um, we're not going to stop selling Cosmopolitan magazine, but it's not going to be available to check out aisles. Rather, it's going to be you know located in in our magazine section, you know, over by the books and things like that. They said, well, there's a couple reasons we've done this. First of all, um, we're it, it's it is a business decision, which perhaps says we're not selling as many Cosmopolitan magazines as perhaps we used to. But but secondly, they are responding to criticism that they have been receiving from a number of groups who are saying, you know, Cosmopolitan magazine, and particularly the covers, which oftentimes are graphic um, with the models that they have on them, and also graphic in the the things that they tout. Um, I'm looking at a copy of one of the Cosmo magazines, and it's got a... Buxom young lady in a very skimpy negligee featured on the front cover, and the the big headline under Cosmopolitan says, best sex ever. So, all right. Now, admittedly, maybe that's going to inspire somebody to want to buy that magazine, and, and that's fine. So that's out there. But a number of people have been complaining about the fact that this is featured prominently here. You know, the best sex ever. You've got the scantily clad woman. And a number of people are saying, hey, we shouldn't have to go through the the checkout line at Walmart where we're sitting there with our kids and have these magazines front and center. 
So Walmart is saying, well, okay, we're, we're not going to pull the magazines, but you know what? We think there might be something to this. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, this is not, I think, an atypical cover, the one I'm looking at. It's, it's a woman's magazine, scantily clad women oftentimes on the front. Um, again, articles which are perfectly appropriate for adults, but oftentimes, you know, are of an adult nature, maybe touting whatever the particular quiz is, which 90% of the time involves people's sex lives, you know, all that type of stuff. And a number of people were complaining, you know, gee, this is really inappropriate. We're not saying that people shouldn't be able to buy it, but, you know, do you need this thrown in your face as you're there buying your weekly groceries? Okay, 414-799-1620, that is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I applaud Walmart for making this decision. Now, I'm not a book banner. I, I'm not. And I'm not arguing that Cosmo should change its MO and, you know, do different sort of things. And obviously, they have a particular style that, that works. But at the same time, I understand why people, I don't think it is unreasonable at all for people who are, again, going through the checkout aisles to say, we just don't think this is necessarily appropriate. And I think this is one of these examples where what you are seeing is that Walmart, and I understand it's really easy to kick on and be a hater of Walmart, but I think this is one of these examples where you have Walmart that is responding to, uh, again, a portion of the customer base and is addressing their concerns. Now, I'm not naive. I didn't fall off the turnip truck. I get the fact that if perhaps if Cosmopolitan magazine were selling a ton of things that you'd have, uh, if they were selling a ton of Cosmopolitan magazines and and making a, a fortune on it, my guess is they perhaps would have a different thought on this. But what they're trying to do is being responsive to the customers. And that's what I think is good. That's why I think more and more people need to feel free to come forward and say, you know, okay, there are certain issues with this, and, you know, we're not going to be afraid that we're going to be labeled as prudes. We're not going to be afraid that we're going to be labeled as book banners, nothing like that, but rather, you know, maybe there is a time and a place for everything, and if you're shopping at the grocery store at with your kids at 10 o'clock on Saturday mornings or whatever, you know, maybe you could expect a little bit higher standard. Now, I also understand, before you send me the emails, that given, you know, what's going on in the world nowadays, where the top-rated 60 Minutes show in the last 10 years um, featured, you know, a woman talking about, you know, how she's an adult film star and her relationship back in 2006 with the president. So I understand that, in some respects, the stuff that you're going to see on the cover of Cosmopolitan magazine is probably not necessarily any better, worse, more adult or less adult than the stuff that you're going to see on, again, the covers of Time magazine or U.S. News if they still make that or Newsweek if they still make that. So I get it that you have life imitating art. But at the same time, I think there, you know, I think this is a situation where Walmart is correctly responding to concerns of the customers. All right. When we come back, this is something I'm going to be talking about this evening with a number of our guests at Insight. We'll back in just a minute. 237, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is an interesting pop culture story. Last night, ABC debuted the premiere episode of the new Roseanne show. 
Um, Roseanne, of course, what the, the, that was a comedy with Roseanne Barr that ran, what, seven, eight, nine years, whatever it was, a number of years ago. It's been revived. They brought it back, and it kind of picks up with the family. Most of the original cast, if not all the original cast, are, are back, and it picks up with them, you know, after 20 years have gone by. The ratings are in, and it was an incredible success. Um, the The show delivered 18.2 million viewers, which is, according to ABC, the highest-rated comedy telecast on any network in nearly four years. You've got to go back to a, a Big Bang Theory show in 2014. It's even bigger than right now. NBC's mega hit is is This Is Us. A lot of people watch This Is Us, um, and it, this is more people watching this show than anybody that watched This Is Us during any of its regularly scheduled episode in in the adult demographic um this also topped sunday's blockbuster 60 minutes interviews and and actually it's it's just uh, amazing um 21 years ago when the series had its finale it was actually a bad series finale they've kind of like forgotten about that um these numbers more people were watching it than the total number of viewers that watched it back in 1997, which is absolutely incredible given the fact that, you know, there's so many more choices now and, and everything's so fractionalized, you know, since 1997. So by any standards, it was an enormous hit. Now, this was just the premiere episode. So, you know, who knows whether people will continue to come back. But there is something going on here, and I think a lot of people knew it. As you read the critics who, who got access to the the early shows, in general, I think the reviews were wishy-washy at best because there's something going on with this reboot of Roseanne. Roseanne Barr is in real life a Trump supporter and has been for a while. On this reboot, you know, the, the Roseanne, the show is that it's a blue-collar family. They're, you know, uh, probably lower middle class. They're, they're struggling for things. On the reboot, the Roseanne family is still our, our Trump supporters as well. Now, I mean, part of the thing, and I, I watched the show last night, part of the thing is, you know, some of the family members, you know, aren't, and so there's like this political angst. But Roseanne, the star character, is a Trump supporter. A proud deplorable, as are other people. In, you know, since Donald Trump was elected, I think, well, I, I hate to say universal, because there, you know, somebody might be able to point me to, to some obscure TV show or something, but the portrayal by Hollywood of President Trump has been, I think, universally mocking. Now, again, maybe somebody, maybe there's some obscure character somewhere that's not coming to mind. But as a general rule, it's been, oh, Trump is dumb. Let's make fun of him. Let's make fun of the people around him. Let's have shows that show what a Neanderthal Trump is and what Neanderthals are, anybody that would have voted for Trump. This this presents the other side of that, where you have, again, the title character who represents, you know, somebody from, you know, what, I guess the the people on the coasts would consider flyover country, you know, Trump's America. 
I believe that this show fills a void, that there's a lot of people out there who either support Trump or support a lot of the the things that he talks about who have just been, again, left in the dirt by the, the Hollywood elites and the mainstream media. I think this show is going to have legs because I think that they are, again, coming forward and they're presenting a point of view that reflects, I don't know, the way a lot of people think. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't know if you had a chance to see the Roseanne show yesterday. If you saw it, did you like it? And is this a success? I think, look, part of the reason why the show has been successful is, again, I mean, people loved the show back in the day, and so they want to see, okay, how are the characters aged? You know, where is it going? To, where is it going? So I'm sure there is a novelty factor. But I think one of the things that is going on is the fact that it presents a view of America politically that you don't see from Hollywood, or at least that you haven't seen over the course of the last year and a half. And I think people, a lot of people find that to be refreshing. Gee, we're not being laughed at. You know, here's a show that I know doesn't mock us. 414-799-1620. Are they on to something? And if you watched the show last night, did you enjoy it? We discuss next. It's 243. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 247, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Here's a text. It's so funny you brought this up. I love Roseanne. I was thrilled about the show coming back. My husband was less than excited and said it's just a bunch of political crap he wouldn't watch. Well, a couple of weeks ago, he found out that she was a Trump supporter, and he was happy to not have to deal with joke after joke of Trump bashing, which is all you get on TV nowadays. He's not a crazy supporter himself. He's just sick of all the negativity. By the way, I watched the show last night. I loved it, of course. Well, the ratings, again, who knows whether the show is going to have legs or not. Um, maybe people just tuned in for the curiosity factor. But I think she's on to something by representing a view that is completely different from what people have been getting in sitcoms and on Saturday Night Live and everywhere you've gone in the media um, over the course of the last, what, 18 months or so. Vern in Oconomowoc. Vern, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, hi. Um, I just want to say, uh, to me, it was like a glimmer of hope that we might see something a little bit different than what we see on the Oscars and uh, mm-hmm. on the, the nightly uh, talk shows and, you know, with all of Hollywood being so negative on Trump. I, I, was, I was actually, like your last commentary, I was surprised to see that show take that turn and was pleasantly, pleasantly uh, pleased with it. Really liked it. Um, yeah, no, thank See, and I, I think, you know, one of the things that I, I think if this show ends up, you know, working, I think one of the things that's there is the whole fact that at the end of the day, Hollywood is a, a business. The entertainment industry is a business. And, and what happens a lot of times is you have these pendulums that swing one way or the other. And there, there's no question that the, the Hollywood elite is by and large liberal. There are exceptions here and there, but, but there is this kind of groupthink that's out there. Well, maybe just maybe, if some of the producers and some of the people that put these shows together start realizing that, you know, there's money to be made in flyover country, um, flyover country. And, and, you know, maybe maybe if we get away from the groupthink and we recognize that, you know, there's all these states that that President Trump won. And, and maybe, you know, we look at the polls and 
know, he's got a 45% approval rating or whatever it is. And, and okay, so maybe that's still a little bit underwater, but there's still people out there that support him. Maybe instead of mocking all those people, perhaps, you know, we can give them something that doesn't treat them like we think they're nothing but buffoons. Uh, Deb in Elm Grove. Deb, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Did you watch the show last night? I watched the show, and I am telling you, I am still laughing today. I laughed so hard, my tears were falling down (laughs) my face. It was so funny. Okay. Well, had you been a fan of the show originally? No, I wasn't. In fact, honestly, it was the first time I watched the show in its entirety. I certainly had seen little clips of it, but I never watched the show until last night. Were you were you surprised at, at sort of the, the the political take that you you've talked to, making the show star essentially part of that basket of deplorables? Were you surprised at that take? I was honestly pleasantly surprised. I had no clue it would take that turn, and I I felt so great. I was actually watching a show that I wasn't getting mad at, <laughs> and I'm still laughing. Like I said to your guy before that when her sister came to the door and. And said, hello, deplorable. Right. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. I, I mean, and actually, again, it's just it's it's been so frustrating to me. And again, I, I understand people all over the map on, on President Trump. But it's it's this idea that Republicans are dumb. Republicans are Neanderthal. Right. Republicans are racist. Exactly. All this type of stuff. Yeah. It was refreshing to have an alternative view of that. And I. Yes, I, it was. Yeah, no, thanks for calling. Oh. I got to tell you, Jeff, I agree with you on that. That was one of the things that I liked about it is I felt it kind of presented us in a different light that we're not racist and we are ordinary people and we have minds of our own and there are legitimate reasons why we voted for Trump. Right, exactly. No, thanks again. I, I think, you know, and, and again, as see, one of the things that's been going on is there's this there is this monolithic thing. Think about all the different TV shows that have come out. Um, we'll just, we, we won't we won't talk long term. We'll just talk you know since Donald Trump got elected. What is the portrayal of Republicans? Well, you know what is the portrayal of Trump? Well, it, it's it's a mocking type of thing, uneducated, um, racist, you name it, sexist, all those different types of things. That is the stereotype. That's what the Hollywood elite thinks of people in flyover country. Whether you voted for Trump or not, if you're a conservative, you are somehow, you're not compassionate. You get to be mocked. This this is, I think, a slight response to that. Let's see, here's a text. The majority of us Americans feel the way Roseanne feels. That's why Trump got elected, and we are sick and tired of the way Hollywood is portraying the president. That's why, that's the way the Hollywood liberal elites feel, and that's not reality. Just like uh, Last Man Standing is a hit, that was a Tim Allen thing, this will be as well. Dave in Sturgeon Bay. Hi, Dave. You're in WTMJ. Hi. Uh, I was at a uh, reunion at Beloit College in uh, in May, and John Pasquin was there, who is the producer-director of right. those, and he said he was going was gonna to do it again this year, and he is so far left. I mean, it's, it's amazing that he's even doing it. Yeah. But uh, he was he was talking about, you know, she wanted him to do it because he had done all the shows in the past. But obviously, she's not listening to what he's saying about the political aspect. Right. Well, it's it, at the end of the day, it's her name on the top of the show. My guess is she's my guess is probably she's probably the owner. I would imagine. So I, 
I, I think her word is probably what goes, even though I, I think I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> but this is one where you're, you're saying that the this producer he's just he's obviously biting his lip while she's doing her uh, pro-Trump stuff, huh? Oh, very much so. Yeah. Do you think it's going to have a market moving forward? I think it will. I really do. Yeah. I, I no, no thanks. I I do too, and I I would not be again. At the end of the day, I go back to what I said a couple minutes ago. Hollywood is a business, and if this is a success. Well, I mean, don't be surprised to see perhaps more things like this because it represents, if it's what people want to watch, well, then it's going to be what advertisers want to spend money on, and then you're off to the races. It's 2.54. I'm going to get ready to go out to Insight 2018. That means John McCure and Melissa Barkley are coming in. Stick around.